Cole, would you like for me to also play you a certain song that you uh, you rather enjoy? I'm so conflicted. Yes! Yes! And that's, that's it. All, that's all we can play. That's all we can play. It was a phenomenal week here in college football, Cole. Uh, and here on the Panther Pod, obviously your win loss record was better than mine. <laughs> five and zero, oh, baby. Five and zero. Oh. Five and one. Five and one. Oh yeah, no five and zero. Oh. My bad. My bad. I'm five sorry. and one. I, I went three and three. Um, I'm shooting for the Jeff Fisher. You know, mm-hmm. fourth winningest head coach in NFL history, and he. I think finished above 500 two seasons. So, yeah. Um, no, insane week here across the board in college football. Um, watch some of the greatest football games of all time, question mark. Yeah. Um, especially, you know. Especially this one. Worked hard all week. Got a little jingle on a Tennessee Saturday. That's for all you Alabama fans out there. Hey, Owen. Yeah. You want to know what else is out for all those uh, Tennessee fans? Is there a there's there, a possibility there, we may get flagged this episode? There is a strong possibility, but I got to do it because you know. Yeah, we are for sure getting... Yeah, copyright claims all across the board. It's okay, we don't make money off this podcast. We don't make money, and we don't own any of those here on the Panther Pod. Osborne Brothers, Alabama. Uh, John Denver. Well, I mean, John Denver can't do anything about it, so... His company can. His company can. Um, uh, but welcome back. We want the Smoke Podcast. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw somebody that said, hey, please pray for these Alabama fans. No. Absolutely not. No. You have have 13 national championships. Saban's won seven of them. That's like saying Starbucks got my order wrong this morning. Please, you know, send all the love and support that you possibly can. Yeah, Starbucks got your order wrong, but you make six figures in a month. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, come on. Come on. For that, I am Owen Spelling. My name's Cole Connor. And this is the Panther Pod. This college football season has yet to disappoint. I mean, for, for us, we have had, you specifically have had two disappointments, and I've had three. Well, I mean, even then, your three disappointments weren't all that disappointing. It was mainly just disappointing in, or being disappointed in your play calling and coaching selection. The talent's on the field. Yeah. For me, it's... Lack of? Not lack of talent. Um, I really can't. Lack of talent on the offensive line or trying to find, you know, a long-term solution for an offensive coordinator. I think that's fair to say. Um, Ed-O? Ed-O? I hope it's Joe Lombardi. Or uh, Joe Brady, if we can put if we can poach Lombardi from the Carolina Panthers, and if we can get Joe Brady back from the Saints. Hey, there you go. There you um, go. 
Sean Payton? <laughs> God, I would love nothing more than Sean Payton to come in and coach LSU. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be – oh, my God, that would be so good. Let me – this this was utterly – this was an amazing week of college football. Um, I – honestly, I can't believe we did it. I'm going to be honest. I cannot believe that West Virginia – was able to pull out the dub. Um, utterly amazing. Played a great game. I said I would hope I, I hope that I would be able to eat my words. I and eat my words. These are one of the instances where we want to eat crow. So yes. and no, and I understand it completely. Yeah. I understood it. We're going up against the previous Big Twelve champs. They yeah. are the Big Twelve champs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I don't blame you whatsoever. But uh, this is hey. I'm loving it, yeah. man. This is wow. I after getting absolutely curb stomped last year, to eke out a win, Baylor remains perfect in Morgantown, a perfect O and six there. Magic, don't in you the, love it? Magic Mountain Misty Air in Milan Puskar Stadium on Mountaineer Field. That's a lot of M's. It's called a uh, alliteration. Alliteration. Thank you. I almost said automatopoeia. <laughs> Wow, the public school system has really done me wonders. Just goes to show you, West Virginia is great at football. Hey, this is Not firm, this firm education. Firm, <laughs> firm, firm education. Well, I mean, um, I don't I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself on that comment because... Yeah, Mr. I went to Concord. Talk about West Virginia education. Yeah. Um, speaking of firm. Speaking of firm. Um, uh, quick review quick of the entire ODAC. A- oh, yeah. Moment of silence. Okay. Uh, moment of silence is over. Quick look over the entire ODAC. Um, Shenandoah beats Guilford 38-35. Wow. Very impressive showing from Guilford. Roro-Raggy. Um, Randy Mack stomped Bridgewater 44-7. to mm. And then Hampton-Sydney, they beat Averett 37-26. to so convincing win, eleven points. Yep. Um, two possession game. Two possession game. Uh, speaking of a two possession game, Washington and Lee seventeen seven over Ferrum. <sighs> it it was close, but a very disappointing loss for numerous reasons. Because now, unless astronomical circumstances happen, Ferrum will not be competing. Um, at all in postseason. Nothing past November Saturday, or Saturday, November 12th. Look, ODAC's tough, man. Yeah. They, now that you, now that we've seen the Guilford and uh, Shenandoah, <laughs> Shenandoah yeah. score, great. Now that one doesn't, you know, that doesn't yeah. make me feel real comfortable either. Um, this, this, it, I, at this point, Farum, you're 0-6, you're 0-3 in conference play. It's looking very, very grim for the rest of the season. Um, are we looking at a two-win Ferrum team right now? I hope not. I hope there's still time to turn the ship around um, and squeeze out more than two wins. But we are officially looking at uh, Ferrum with a losing record this year. Yep. No matter what. Yep. Um, now, granted, maybe not in conference play. That door is still very much wide open. 
but right now with a two loss in conference, um, it's not looking good for the ODAC postseason. Nope. Um, I, I will say this, though. Farron played a heck of a game against Washington Lee, fairly even. They were uh, really we- they were really good on-ground game. They established established run dominance. Both of these teams really ran the ball really well. Uh, one an- 192 for Farrum on 38 attempts. They averaged about 5.1 yards. Had a rushing touchdown. Mm. Um, passing, 70 yards through the air. They were 11 of 21 with an interception. They averaged three yards a completion, mm. three yards a pass. That's uh, that's what you need to average to get a first down. Three I yards? Mean, two and a half. If you do two and a half yards for four downs, that gets you a first down. Yeah, but I don't want to be put in three down, four down territory. You know, And I understand that. But, but I, I get what you're saying. At the same time, though, um, no touchdowns, no passing touchdowns. Washington Lee had 73 passes. They were 3 of 7 uh, for an average of tw- 10 yards. They averaged a first down every time they threw the ball, every time it was completed anyways. Um, offense was the exact same. 262 uh, for both off- for both offenses. They both ran 59 plays. They both averaged 4.4 yards a play. They both lost a fumble. Yeah, this is uh, wow, this that, is this is a twilight zone. That's that's a little freaky right there. Wow. Okay. Um, however, Washington Lee much much better, well disciplined. One pe- only one penalty for five yards. Farum had six penalties for twenty nine yards. Again, Farum looks more well disciplined this year. However, that's they still not what, have a way to go. Yeah, that's not what's that. Well, I, I would say that's not even what's really hurting them right now. You know. Well, and. Um, Farum was listening to us, obviously, because their time of possession this week versus previous weeks, much improved. Much improved. 30 minutes, 17 seconds for Washington Lee, 29 minutes, 43 seconds for Farum. The that's, offense stayed on the field, that's which so is much good. Better. Yeah. Because as of right now, before this week, Farum was averaging about 24 to 25 minutes yeah. of the football, um, have, having possession. Um their opponents were averaging a time possession of about 37 minutes. Yeah, up close to 40. Close to 40. So that's that's a big swing in Farham's direction of having, hey, finally your offense is able to stay on the field and you're able to keep getting first yeah. downs. Um, it was a close game. It really was. Yeah. I mean, up until, let's see, up until really the uh, the fourth quarter, Thing you know, Farum come out swinging, got that big touchdown out there, punched him in the mouth. Yep, in the first quarter, and then halftime, Washington Lee ties it up. They're only able to get, uh, they're only able to get seven more in the third quarter, and then only a field goal. So, like, I know on the box score, you look at that, and that's seventeen unanswered. But your average, but you're only you only had a touchdown in two quarters. Going into the fourth, you can tie the game up with one more touchdown. Yep. And then, you know, you scored fourteen points. Excuse me, you can score fourteen points and win the and win the game. But um, so Farum, I mean, first drive, seven plays, forty five yards, began on the sixteen. That's not a bad drive. Washington Lee's first drive held it for a minute and twenty eight seconds, three plays, lost six yards, and resulted in a fumble. Farum's very next drive was their touchdown drive. Washington and Lee's very next drive, 
Again, fumble. Three plays, three yards. Um, Ferrum came out swinging. Now they just need to keep that momentum going into the second quarter, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, overtime if necessary. I'll tell you what, Joshua Luckett really put the team on his back, the offensive yep. on his back this, this week with 116 rushing yards. Uh, for a long, His longest was 14. Uh, no touchdowns to show for it. He only had uh, 70 yards passing. But, I mean, we've we've seen, and we've seen in Division One as well, is that, hey, you know, a mobile quarterback is really well. We saw what happened in the Florida and LSU game of how, how mobile quarterbacks can really help keep the play alive. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, by really extending the play with your legs, I mean, you're helping – you're giving your chance – you're giving your team a chance to win. Um, you're doing everything that you can. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, this, I think, um, has been the best game Ferrum's played since the LaGrange game. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the defense the defense did their part and the offense did theirs. It just didn't go our way. Just just couldn't get in the end zone there for a little while. Yep. Um, but you know what? It's all right. We'll get them next week. Yep. Um, Ferrum takes on, I believe – just closed out the uh yeah i pulled it up too uh ferrum next week takes on guilford uh at guilford this so. could be the first one in the week we're hoping this this first is one in the like season the yep. win of the season however that does not make me feel very comfortable after hearing about the shenandoah game yeah it is a little uh a little concerning not gonna lie but you know what it's gonna be okay i think we can um uh, we can really pull it out against guilford is is it at Guilford or is it at home? I don't. It's have, at Guilford. It's at Guilford. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, we'll talk about it a lot more on our Wednesday episode. Um, but in the meantime, um, let's move on to Division One. Kind of take a look around, see what happened in uh, a lot of our games this week. Uh, starting out, obviously, we're going to save the best game for last. Uh, so the order is going to be broken up a little bit. Uh, starting out with uh, number 10, Penn State, against number 5, Michigan. Michigan won 41-17. Oof. <laughs> Oof, indeed. Yeah, that's bad. Oof, um, Penn State posted 14 in the second quarter and 3 in the third. Um, by that time, it Michigan or Penn State never held the lead in this game. No, but it took Michigan – a quarter and a half to gain that lead. Yeah. And it then took it then took Penn State less than three uh not less than three minutes, but less than ten minutes to get it all back and to tie the game up. However, yeah. after halftime, Michigan just ran away with it. Yeah. Whatever halftime adjustments that Jim Harbaugh was able to do during that game. Oh yeah. They scored twenty two unanswered after the half. So um <sighs> Man, Sean Clifford for uh, Penn State, 7 for 19, 120 yards, uh, left the game with an injury, brought in, to, uh, brought in Drew Alar, uh, 5 for 10, 37 yards. So, eh, yeah. not getting it done through the air. Um, Michigan's uh, J.J. McCarthy, 17 for 24, 145. Um, no touchdowns. So Michigan wasn't getting it through, done through the air. Oh, and does that mean they just ran the ball all game? Pretty much. Yeah. 
Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> Man, I'm so glad I did not watch this game. Donovan Edwards had 16 carries for 173 yards. Blake Corum had 28 carries for 166 yards. Both, Both of them, them two, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Lord. What, what did we say? And both of them posted uh, longs of over 60 yards. Yeah. That's insane. Both of them had over 100 yards, close to 200 yards rushing. Yeah, that's insane. Do you, do you, Cole, what did we say? Uh, what did we say Michigan really does best? Run the ball. Run the ball, ground and pound. That has, no matter who the coach is there, that has always been Michigan's identity is ground and pound yep. and run the football. We've seen this season. If you run, if you dominate the ground game and you establish that dominance early, you have a, gr- a, a really, excuse me, a really, really good chance to win a football game. And, I mean, shout out to Jake Moody as well, the kicker. He went a perfect four for four uh, on field goals. Um, just goes to show you Michigan capitalized on literally every single possession that they had. Or tried to anyway. Michigan dominated offensively. Yes, had five hundred. Had a total of five hundred sixty-three yards offensively. Uh, had one forty-five through the air, which was not as much as what Sean Clifford did and Penn State did. Uh, it's not as air. much as uh, Penn State did. Penn State did. Yeah, yeah. my bad. Uh, they had one hundred fifty-seven through the air passing, rushing the ball, four hundred and eighteen yards for Michigan. Just absolutely running brutal. the ball. That averages out to 7.1 yards per play. Cole, how many first downs do you think Penn State got without looking? Without looking? Without looking. Um, I know you just looked at it. I saw you. No, but I mean, with a score of 17, I would say they at least got probably like 7, 8, somewhere in there. 7, 8? That's all you're going to say they had out of that whole game? Uh, well, I mean, you're you're going to have the ball – Maybe four times a quarter. Two of the no, you're gonna have it way more than that in CFB. I'm thinking pro. Yeah. Um, Nobody watches that. No. So, yeah, I, I would say like twelve, thirteen, somewhere in there, a respectable amount. Yeah. Ten yard, ten first downs. Jeez. Uh, Michigan had twenty eight. Jeez. Michigan was also eleven for seventeen on third downs. Penn State was four for twelve. Michigan ran a total of seventy nine plays. And through an interception. But that was the only turnover they had. <laughs> Get this. Time of possession. Michigan had it for over 40 minutes. Almost 42 minutes they had. That's absolutely had brutal. Had the ball. This is an old school demolition. Yeah. Uh, Penn State only had it for 18 minutes. Yeah. Michigan, like the score should have been a whole lot worse if Michigan had a halfway competent uh Quarterback like McNamara, if they still have McNamara, he, he is in. McNamara. But JJ McCarthy beat out McNamara for the starting job. Jeez. Well, if McNamara was still, you know, playing as good as he was last year, at this point, then you know this would have been based on those stats alone. This would have been a way worse blowout than what it was. Yeah, I mean, forty-one seventeen is a it's that's a bad score. That's all. That is a bad bad score. But Michigan or uh, Penn State still ranked. That is their first loss of the season. And also, speaking of blowouts, happy anniversary Georgia Tech. Um, oh, is it? Oh, is it that time? It of is year that again? time of year. Yeah, two hundred and twenty-two to nothing. Is that John Heisman's team? It was John Heisman's team. I saw a pop up on my Twitter feed the other day. Don't Georgia Tech wish they were there now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but oh yeah, so uh, Colgate is that the team they be- no? It wasn't Colgate. Uh, no, it was. Um, God, I'm gonna have to look it up. It's irrelevant. They didn't score anything. Yeah. Okay, I don't think they, they don't. Did. They don't deserve to be named. I don't think their fo- their football team didn't exist anymore. It probably doesn't. It shouldn't exist. It, it anymore. shouldn't. No, not after that. Um, moving on. Well, I was gonna say this oh, is Penn ahead. State's first loss of the year. However, the schedule their schedule does not get any easier for them mm-hmm. going on the road next week. They have Minnesota mm. at home. Then the week after that, they get Iowa State at home. Big uh, Moon kickoff will be there. Ohio State. What did I say? Iowa State. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Ohio State, not Iowa State. Ohio State. <laughs> they wish they played Iowa State. They wish they played Iowa State. Yeah. But no, they get Ohio State number two. Ohio State at home. Mm. Yeah. Good luck with that. Have fun. Um. No, moving on to uh, again. I mean that and Penn State and um, and I'm just I'm checking and making sure mm-hmm. the Penn State game and uh, the NC State game were the only two blowouts that we had this week. I think so. As far as um, and correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, no. That's the only that I'm looking at them right now. Everything else was decided within like four points. Everything was decided within three points. Jeez. Not a, not a single game went over four points, with the exception of Penn State. With and the exception NC of Penn State. State and NC State versus Syracuse, um, we actually had twin scores. Ooh, deja vu happen in uh, in the Big Twelve. Both West Virginia versus Baylor had the same score, and TCU and Baylor had the same score. Or TCU and Oklahoma State. TCU and Oklahoma State had the same score. Uh, TCU pulling out the win, 43-40 over Oklahoma State. After Um, going into double overtime. absolutely insane game um, across the board. Um, I mean, Spencer Sanders and Max Duggan put on a show. Yeah. Um, But... It was not Max Duggan who won this game for TCU. It very well could have been. Um, but Kendra Miller contributed 22 carries, 104 yards, two touchdowns. Max Duggan, three touchdowns total, one on the ground. He went 23 for 40, 286, two touchdowns through the air. Uh, Spencer Sanders, 16 for 36, 245, one touchdown, one interception. You hate to see it. Um, Spencer Sanders on the ground, 11 carries, 68 yards, two rushing touchdowns. I mean, Spencer Sanders put Oklahoma State on his back and failed miserably Yep, in double overtime. TCU really held their own on offense. 510 yes. total yards of offense, 200, 286 through the air, 224 on the ground, uh, with about six yards a play. Again, TCU had 27 first downs. Oklahoma State only managed to get 19 first downs. Mm. Both teams were not great on third down. TCU went three for 13 on third down. Oklahoma State was six for 17. Uh, Oklahoma State did convert a fourth down. They ran similar number of plays. TCU had about uh, five, about uh, five or six more plays that they ran other than Oklahoma State. They ran a total of 83 plays. Uh, versus Oklahoma State, 77. Both punted the ball about six times. Penalties, fairly similar. Uh, TCU had four penalties for 40 yards. Oklahoma State had six penalties for 49 yards. Just a nine-yard difference there, which can win or lose you a game. But at the same time, at the same time, 
there was a it was a lot of high scoring going on. They were pretty much like five. They were pretty much at zero in the turnover margin. TCU lost a fumble, but like you said, Spencer Sanders for Oklahoma State threw that yeah. interception. TCU's time of possession though, thirty three minutes that they had the ball versus Oklahoma State's twenty six. I mean. This is not old school domination. This is not. This is old school Big Twelve. Yeah, early early two thousand. This is an absolute shootout of a game. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the stats, the only things that are the the things that TCU did better uh, versus o, uh, OSU, passing, rushing, yardage. Yeah. I mean, beyond that, it was about as close of a game as you can as you can get. And honestly, that's a detractor for TCU, in, in my opinion. You're telling me you posted 510 yards and you only beat your opponent by three in double overtime? Yeah. And you held Oak State to 386 and they still posted 40 on you? It's like, come on now. Oh, no, I know. Yep. Uh, but, you know, TCU is the only undefeated team in the Big 12. mm that's they, scary. They, you think? <laughs> Thankfully, they come into Morgantown, and we don't go down to Fort Worth. Um, they are the only undefeated team. Kansas State, I believe, is the only undefeated team in the Big Twelve conference play. They are on, they are undefeated. Um, but yeah, I things are really shaping out in the Big Twelve. Who would have thunk it that TC, I thought for sure TCU would be bottom of the barrel this year. Oh, I think everybody did. TCU and Texas Tech. I thought they would be bottom of the barrel um, in Kansas right along with them. Yep. Nope. They decided to go uh, up and above and just head and shoulders above everyone else this year. Everyone just decided to have a program renaissance this year. So. Apparently. Uh, apparently. Except for, you know, our two programs. <laughs> yeah. Gotta love it. Um, Pac-12. Honestly. Honestly. This game. Wow. Probably better. It's not better because it the the way that this game was won was just as exciting as the Tennessee Alabama game. Absolutely. Uh man, Rising rushed it in on a two point conversion to give Utah the win over undefeated USC, forty three to forty two. Um, absolutely brutal. Utah posted fifteen in the fourth quarter to get the win. Um, does not detract from USC's offense whatsoever. Caleb Williams, man, Good 25 grief. for 42, 381, five touchdowns. Five. Five touchdowns. He was, Jeez. He was literally going, you want to, You get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. Yeah. You get a touchdown. Uh, his favorite target, Josh Fayo, or at least his favorite target in the end zone, uh, two receptions, 14 yards, Two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Insane. Travis Dye, also 11 carries, 76 yards, averaged seven yards uh, a carry, and got a touchdown and well on the ground. But if you want to look at absolute versatility in a quarterback, you got to take a look at Cameron Rising. I mean, 30 for 44, 415 yards, two touchdowns through the air. Utah's leading rusher, oh, look at that, Cameron Rising. 11 carries, 60 yards, three touchdowns insane offensive showdown pack 12 or big 12 <laughs> this is west coast football the high yeah. th this is what we expect out of west coast football yeah, absolutely 
Uh, total yards, Utah with 562, USC with 556. Passing yards, Utah with 424, USC 381. Rushing yards, Utah with 138, USC with 175. Average yards per play, USC got the bump here with eight yards, uh, with averaging eight yards a play. Utah averaging seven and a half yards per play. First downs, Utah 30, USC 28. Um, with 51 seconds left in the fourth quarter, USC had a 65.4% chance of winning this game. Did it happen, though? No. It did not. All the Oklahoma fans are really – they're something else right now, ain't they? Mm. However, though, how good can you feel if you're an Oklahoma fan? Yes, Lincoln Riley lost. He's also already bowl eligible. Yeah. He's six and one with a still yeah. with a shot at the oh at he the playoffs. Definitely has a shot at the playoffs. Come on, you know they're wanting to vote USC into that. Oh, for sure. Um, but you know what, Cole? This is my third win of the week. <laughs> right now, so far, I've gone uh, three and zero. Oh. Wow, three and zero. Oh. You, you, sir. Have gone two and three. I believe you've gone two and three. Mm. If I am not mistaken, yes, because you picked Michigan to win. All right, there's a dub. One. You picked Oklahoma State to win. Mm. That's a loss. And you picked USC to win. So you're one and two right now. Yep. That's great. Don't you love to see it? Yep. Yep. Uh, You're about to go one and three. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you're about hey, to go, go wolf pack man go wolf <laughs> yeah, pack yeah go wolf pack back to the cave because apparently yeah, they did not get the job t- done they took their all. tail and run part of that though yeah nc state loses to syracuse 24 to 9 the orange not the orange well i guess the syracuse is the orange but yeah one of the many oranges <laughs> the uh syracuse wins 24 to 9 beating NC State. Devin Leary goes out with a season-ending injury with mm-hmm. a torn pec. Um so then they got to rely on their, their backup, Jack Chambers. Hey, he really loaded had, had a few loaded in the chamber, didn't he? Um a few and what loaded in the chamber, not touchdowns, a few blanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Jack Chambers had a serviceable game. He just couldn't find the end zone. Nope. 18 um, for 30. Yeah. 160 yards. Just couldn't get done. However, Jack Chambers was the top rusher for NC State. 19 mm. carries, 58 yards, and no touchdowns. So is that a blessing in disguise as far as Devin Leary going down? Because now NC State has a mobile quarterback that they can. Um, yes. Because. Well, Wait, will you say your question again? Is that a blessing in disguise for NC State? Because now they have a whole new playbook to, or they have a whole new option in the playbook for them. No, I think it's just a little bit more limited for Jack Chambers because yeah. as a backup, you only you only get like a third of the playbook, yeah. if, if that. But I mean, kicking three field goals is not going to get it done, man. No, absolutely. I not. mean, they had three touchdowns and a field goal. You, I mean, you know, you're just not going to win games. Also. That's such a weird score to look at, too. 24 to 9. Yeah, it's kind of ugly. It is kind of ugly. Uh, Syracuse. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow. 
Garrett uh, Schrader did not have a good game. 16 for 25, 210 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions. Yeah, brutal. Um, I mean, Sean Tucker yeah. for Syracuse as well had 14 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown. So there you go. There you, you find you found your end zone. But I mean, those two interceptions for Garrett Schrader. Most games it's gonna uh, uh, that'll cost you. That that will cost you three touchdowns and a field goal. Um, would have lost many games of the Big Twelve this week. Yep. Um, looking at team stats, Syracuse posted 389 yards versus NC State's 255. Syracuse had two turnovers versus NC State's uh, zero. Uh, time of possession, NC State actually won the matchup here, uh, 35-6 to Syracuse, 24-54. Um, and Syracuse posted 20 first downs versus NC State's 16. Third down efficiency, uh, Syracuse was an even 50%, NC State 5 for 16. Fourth down efficiency, NC State went 3 for 4. Very respectable. Uh, Syracuse converted the only one they attempted, giving them 1 for 1. Uh, already covered, already covered. Uh, penalties, both teams had seven penalties. NC State, 50 yards. Syracuse, 60 yards. Kind of a toss-up there. That extra 10 yards didn't end up costing Syracuse. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just an all-around. It wasn't an absolute domination, but it, it was a bad beat if you're NC State because Syracuse was a team that you were projected to beat. So It was. Um, however, I mean – NC State not going to make the uh, they're not going to make the SEC champion the ACC championship game this year. Florida State is not going to make the SEC championship this game this ACC. year. A- what did I say? SEC. SEC. ACC is not going to make. No, the they're a- not going to make either. No, neither of those teams no, are going to make not, the SEC not. championship <laughs> game. <laughs> it is now up to Wake Forest and Syracuse. Actually, it's just up to Syracuse at this point. Yeah. To be to knock off Clemson and head to the SEC championship game, which. Apparently, right now, it's shaping up to be either UNC or Georgia Tech. Lord have mercy. Could, could you, Georgia Tech, who is three and three, is in second place in the Coastal Division behind UNC with a two and one conference record? I mean, mm, that's brutal. It'd be absolutely amazing if Georgia Tech was the reason that Pitt could not go to the ACC championship game. And technically, right now, they kind of are because yeah. Georgia Tech beat Pitt. So, yeah. woohoo! Go Yellow Jackets. <laughs> go Yellow Jackets. Yo, Yellow Jackets. Um, keeping it in the ACC, looking at a cross-state. Nah, not cross-state's kind of the wrong word for it. Cross-city. Cross-city. This is really, this. this again, another basketball matchup that was – Projected to be really good and was really good on the gridiron instead yeah. of the hardwood. Uh, UNC pulls out the win over Duke, thirty-eight to thirty-five. This um, is my first and only loss of the week. Go Tar Heels, man! <laughs> Whatever. How did you feel about those helmets? By the way, the Tar Heel helmets—they were a little ugly. I, I don't. I don't like the foot. I no. don't like the foot. By the way. Ferrum had some amazing uniforms this week. I enjoyed the gloss black helmets with mm-hmm. a, an all black uniform. I really enjoyed that. Look good, play good. Look good, play good. Uh, something that I really enjoy in uniforms is when they have the name of their school on uh, above the numbers. Like Ferrum had Ferrum above the numbers for the team this year. 
Uh, but I, I don't know. It's just something that really gets me for uniforms. So like a basketball, kind like of, a yeah. basketball yeah, yeah, look yeah, in kind, a basketball kind, kind format. Of ba- basketball look. West Virginia had it for their country road uniforms. I've mm-hmm. never seen a West Virginia above the numbers before. So I really like that. LSU has you know LSU in small letters above the numbers. Well, but so. I'm yeah. No, I I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I like the blocky look. Um, I think my favorite uniforms across any sport mm-hmm. of all time, and this is going to sound so weird. But um, the Portland Trailblazers, where they have Portland, and then they have the little uh, swoosh oh, okay. on it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very it's a clean look and it's a classic look at the same time because they kind of they stick with that seventies vibe of yeah. uniform. Here we look, here we go on a tangent of uniforms. Again. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, UNC squeaked it out over Duke, thirty-eight, thirty-five, bringing UNC six and one in uh, six and one overall, three and zero in conference. Duke falls to four and three, one and two in conference. Drake May, twenty-eight for thirty-eight, three hundred and eighty yards, three touchdowns. Riley Leonard, twenty for thirty-one, two forty-five, one touchdown, one interception. Hey, guess who is the leading rusher for UNC? It uh, probably like Caleb Hood or Elijah Green. Nope, nope. Drake May, eighteen <laughs> carries for seventy yards. <laughs> you gotta love it. Drake May, <laughs> Jaden Daniels. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, but Evan Green, three carries, 24 yards. And out of those three carries, he has two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, impressive game across the board. Riley Leonard for Duke. I mean, 14 carries, 130 yards on the ground. Also the leading rusher yeah. for Duke. Um, one touchdown. Jordan Waters, 15 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns. So, I mean, this was an offensive slugfest. But it was really a marquee matchup between two very versatile quarterbacks. Yes. Uh, this was a great game. Another great rivalry game. Yeah. That was absolutely um, – <clears throat> it was just – week seven did not disappoint. Week seven did not disappoint and across the board. This no. this was a game that usually, like we said, we see on the hardwood. But, if, look, they brought their best for it on the gridiron. I really thought Duke would pull it out. I really did. But – their hopes of an ACC conference title are, are almost shot right now. Yep. So, is what it is. I'll take my loss. I'll take my lumps on this one. But let me let me just tell you, this is my only loss of the week. That's only fair. Only loss of the week. Hey, you know what? I'm so glad that this was your only loss of the week. Yep. Because yep. you know why? Yeah. Freaking I, Tennessee, man. You smell that, Cole? It yeah. was like cigars? Hey, if you got them, smoke them. Smoke them if you got them, baby. 52-49. Down goes the tide. The Tennessee Volunteers take down the Alabama Crimson Tide in what fairly could be, fairly well could be, the game of the century. Very well could be. How amazing was this game? Neyland was rocking. Tennessee was rocking. Alabama was rocking. This game did not disappoint. This, I think this blew everybody's expectations of what they thought this game would be because we, we knew this was going to be a big game because this is the first game in a long time that this game mattered nationally. But it, but it, had, the implica- like it had the chance that Tennessee could win because for 15 years straight, Alabama has dominated this series, has dominated the third Saturday of October. And boy, let me tell you, 
It felt good to smoke them cigars if you were a Tennessee fan. 15 years, man. Did you see Nick Saban's postgame? I did not see Nick Saban's postgame press conference, but I can only imagine. He had a really great quote, and I, I hate to say it, because and it goes to show you it doesn't you, matter what Saban said. <laughs> I get it, and for me, it really doesn't because yeah, no. I hate him. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it goes to show you his psyche and his mentality about it. He said, "If a program beats Alabama, that's the highlight of their year. If Alabama beats them, it's just another Saturday. It is just another Saturday, and I hate saying that, but." This was not just another Saturday. This was an insane game start to finish. Yes. Tennessee posting 21 in the first quarter had Alabama reeling. Alabama answered back with 13 in the second and 15 in the third. And that fourth quarter, man. Whew, what a showdown. It's right up there. It's got to be right up there with Vince Young running it in in the Rose Bowl. Let me just tell you, these – these games are what we live. College football is unrivaled by any other sport. Let me tell you, pro football ain't got nothing on college football. No, and this is the reason I. This is one of the many reasons I watch college football because to me, it's just better. Fan passion is what really drives this sport. Yes, you have passionate fans. You have Bills Mafia. You have Saints fans. You have all these fans that just are in Eagles fans, uh, Giants fans when they're really rolling, uh, which they are this year apparently. But you know those those are great. But how many times have you seen an or uh, Packers fans or another one that's really good? But how many times have you seen NFL stadiums be stormed? Um, not since like the eighties. Not since the eighties, exactly. When's the last time you saw a? a uh, a college stadium be stormed this past Saturday. This past Saturday, several times. Several times, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it can happen multiple times in a Saturday. College football, and I, I know there are some people that I will absolutely disagree with me on this. College football, the passion, the pageantry, everything about it is unrivaled, and it is the greatest sport on earth. And it college football is like what soccer is to Europeans. Yes, you know. Um, European soccer and their fan experience is just like what American football and our fan experience is, college football is. Absolutely. Um, diving into the stats yes. of this game, starting with Alabama, Bryce Young, 35 for 52, 455, averaging 8.8 yards a pass with two touchdowns. A very impressive performance. Not a candle to Hendon Hooker, 21 for 30, 385, 12.8 yards per pass, and five touchdowns. Had one lone interception, but you make up for it for five touchdowns. Yes. Um, honestly, Alabama made up for uh, red zone efficiency with Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs, 24 carries, 103 yards, three touchdowns, long 26. Great. Um, Jabari Small and Princeton Fant. Jabari Small, standout player of the game for Tennessee, came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, 12 carries, 53 yards, one touchdown with a long of nine. Princeton Fant, one carry, two yards, one touchdown. But nobody could compare 
to the one, to the only, Jalen Hyatt for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Six tu- six receptions, 207 yards. That is an average of 34 and a half yards a catch with five touchdowns. He got the uh – I think he got the last catch as well to put them into field goal range. He for sure got the last catch to put them into field goal range. Megatron 2.0? Megatr- yeah. Let me just tell you, this man was unstoppable. There was nothing Alabama could do to stop this man. It was not only his catching ability, but it was his runs after catch, yeah. runs after y- run after con- or yards after contact. Just There was nothing they could do. The only time he did not find the end zone on a catch, I think, was that last one to put them in field or in the game-winning field goal. By the way, what a wild field goal that was! Yeah, because number one, Alabama tips the ball, but it still goes straight and true. Yeah, through the uprights. Also, what a leg on that kicker! Yeah. To kick it and it still have plenty of air to make it through, to mm-hmm. get it blocked and knuckleball its way through the uprights to win the game. Mm. To be honest, we were we were sitting here hanging out last night watching this game, and we were a little nervous when we saw it was 49-42, Tennessee's losing, and we were like, great. Just great. You know, like we thought for sure Tennessee had this one in the bag. This was the year that they could beat them. Josh Heupel and his crew pulled it out. This is Josh Heupel and correct me, Vol, uh, Vol fans, uh, Vol, Vol fans. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and Vols. Point, point of correction: it is Vols. It is I, Vols. I messed up last week. I apologize, uh, Vols fans. But this is Josh Heupel's second year at Tennessee. Really? I think so. I'm pretty sure this is Josh Heupel's either second or third year at Tennessee. I'm looking that up now. His uh, in 2020, just two years ago, Tennessee went three and seven. This year, they are now bowl eligible and undefeated after taking down number three Alabama. This had all. This game was absolutely unbelievable, and t- not only did Tennessee burn to the ground last night, the entire country. Lost its mind and burned itself to the ground last night. Wanted. Field goal post. Last known location, Tennessee River. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, for it is. Sure. Heupel's, uh, Heupel was named the 27th head coach on January 27th, 2021. Yeah. Um, wow. Before he was in, he was at UCF. But, yeah. I mean, wow. You know. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Wow, guys! Crazy! Wow! Uh, last A group year, of five head coach. Last year, he finished seven and six. At Tennessee. Um, this year, he is on his way to topping that record. Um, wow. yeah, absolutely insane. He was also uh, a crazy, crazy uh, stat. His, his coaching tree uh, is under Mike Stoops. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's cool. Mike, I, I'm just going to assume that everybody coached under Mike Stoops. <laughs> that him or Alabama, that, that's about it. It's either Saban or it's either, Stoops. Yeah, it's either Saban or, not, uh, Saban or Leach. Yeah. Uh, it's either Saban or, or, or Leach that 
the coaching tree is under. That's that's the only one I can think of. Um, but you know what? This game, I I something that I really I football in the South is just different. Yes. And I always thought West Virginia had a great atmosphere, and we do. Don't get me wrong, we do. I want what Tennessee has, man. I have never felt so much envy for a fan base than last night. Then even today, watching yeah. all this, I'm like, I want that for West Virginia. I know five people who went to that game, um, and they all said that it was deafening from kickoff to fourth quarter, and then at the bars afterwards. Oh, but, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, um, yeah, I no, that's want, absolutely insane. I want what Tennessee has. I mean, SEC culture is unrivaled, and I think that's why SEC gets the bump that it does. Yeah. Because what's what would you – I would say the average capacity of an SEC stadium is at least – Seventy thousand. I would, yeah, I would even bump it up to eighty. Yeah. Well, it's a possibility because Kyle Field mm-hmm. uh, is seventy-five to eighty. Brian Denny's eighty-two. I thought Brian Denny was a hundred. I know Nealon is a hundred. Um, I know, gosh, William uh, William Bryce Stadium is uh, South Carolina Stadium. I think is seventy-five thousand. Brian Denny's one hundred one eight twenty-one. One hundred one. Um, I don't know what Missouri's is. I think Missouri's is the small. No, Vanderbilt's is the smallest. Vanderbilt, I think, is like six. Yeah, but Vandy has such a cool field. Like it. it <laughs> Too bad they can't have a cool record. Well, and that—that's the hmm. <laughs> Vandy's field. And if, if you ever get a chance to go to an ICC game at Vanderbilt, one go, your team's gonna win. Two, unless you're the Vanderbilt, unless you're pulling for the Commodores. <laughs> Owen, nine times out of ten. Would you agree that you have to walk up to a stadium? Like Meaning? walk uphill to a stadium. Uh I didn't have I didn't have to for Blacksburg. Well, either way, you don't walk down to your seats. You walk up to your seats, correct? Yeah, okay. So you're meaning when I get in the stadium. Yes. Usually it all depends on where I get spit out though, you know. Vandy, you don't. You don't. Yes. So you come you in. You enter on the top deck. Wow. Yes. Vanderbilt Stadium is crazy. That's interesting. Now, if they could just get a winning football team in exactly. there, yeah. they'd, they'd also be on a tear. Um, <clears throat> Tiger Stadium. <laughs> Death le- left one out, yeah. Um, 102,000. Yeah, I thought thank, so. Thank you very much. Compared to Ma- uh, to Milan Puskar Stadium for West Virginia, holds only 60,000. Yeah. Do you realize you're holding more forty thousand more than what Mountaineer Field? And can we're hold? selling it out just about every week. Yeah, I used to be able to brag about that. Used to be able to brag about that one, but um, yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, Third again. Saturday in October, twenty twenty two, did not disappoint. This is Tennessee's second biggest test. They have to go beat Georgia now. Yeah, and they don't got it easy either because now they kind of get. "Quote unquote a bye week next week they have yeah. to go they get UT Martin at home so okay but you can't take them lightly though no no because as soon as you take them lightly they'll come they'll buy I'm not saying UT Martin's a good team I don't really know anything a lot about UT Martin but I'm just saying it could be a trap it could be a trap game if you're not careful um, but another trap game that they 
absolutely should win is Jesus Christ. ESPN has uh, UT Martin. Just guess what the matchup predictor says. <laughs> I want to say 1.9. Lower. Lower? 0. 0.6. 0.6% chance of UT winning. UT Martin Skyhawks are 4-2. and two. Um, Tennessee's 6-0. and oh. I mean... Um, yeah, but they are, they're 4-2 and two in uh, the Ohio Valley Conference. Yeah. Dresser win the starting quarterback for UT Martin. He is seven. Uh, he has one thousand seven hundred and thirty-seven yards, eleven touchdowns, two interceptions. They ain't met Tennessee it though. Does not mean a daggone thing. Nope, nope. So, but um, this was amazing. Yeah, Tennessee is. I mean, what more do you want? Like from a college football game? It, it was absolutely amazing. Speaking of things that are absolutely amazing. The AP poll? The AP poll. <laughs> Let's talk about the AP poll. A lot of shakeup this week and the, uh, the AP top 25. So let's start. Number one, Georgia, after just dominating. Curb stomping. Curb stomping Vanderbilt, 55 to nothing. Uh, number two, Ohio State. Who did they play this week? I think they were on a bye. Michigan State. They uh, Michigan State, 49-20. That was wow. Uh, yeah. No, are you sure? I thought that was last week that they. Oh played. no, they are on a bye. They, they were on a bye. They were on a bye. Yep. Number three, the Tennessee Volunteers moving up three spots after their glorious win against the Alabama Crimson Tide. Rightfully so. Uh, and then top, and then number four, Michigan after their dominant win against Penn State, seven and zero. They move up one spot. And then rounding out the top five is Clemson, seven and zero. They actually dropped one spot. Um, there. Uh, Owen, you you've got to be forgetting a team that was in the top five, I right? Don't, I don't. I'm not. Where where's Al? Where's Alabama? Oh, <gasps> Alabama, number six. Ah, oh, mm, dang. Hate to see. Ah, yeah. Man. Dang. Man, that that sucks. You just love to see that. I hate to see that little uh, red down arrow. Um, Alabama falls to number six, moved down three spots after losing to Tennessee, 52 for 49. Uh, Go Volunteers. Um, Ole Miss comes in at number seven, uh, 7 0, beating Auburn. 48-34. Forty-eight to thirty-four. Now I'm sweating Ole Miss. <laughs> um, number eight TCU moves up five spots after beating Oklahoma State forty-three forty, like we talked about earlier. <clears throat> number nine UCLA uh, moves up two spots after beating Utah forty-two to thirty-two, making USC UCLA again very exciting game to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon moves up two spots after beating Arizona 49-22. Uh, Oregon is now 5-1. and one. I just want to let you know something, Cole. I think Tennessee is America's team at the moment. Yes, 100%. Um, unless you are a Crimson Tide fan, you were not. You were, everybody was yeah. pulling for Tennessee last night. Nobody yep. was pulling for Alabama. Yes. Everybody was pulling for Tennessee last night. Unless you are a Crimson Tide fan. Something else I meant to bring up that I forgot about uh, but has now come back to me. Hendon Hooker played for Virginia Tech. Under Justin Fuente, and Fuente would not start Hendon Hooker. You hate to see it. How does that one feel, Hokey fans? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oof. 
Talk about a missed opportunity for Mike Vick 2.0. Uh-huh. Man, Fuente sucked. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Um, number 11, uh, Oak State, 5-1, and one, moving down three spots after losing to TCU, 43-40. Number 12, USC, moving down five spots after losing to Utah, 43-42. Number 13, Wake Forest, moving up one spot after beating Army. No, sorry, after crushing Army, 45-10. <laughs> um Number 14, Syracuse, moving up four spots after beating NC State 24-9. Number 15, Utah, 5-2 and two overall, moving up five spots after beating USC 43-42. Coming in at number 16 is Penn State at 5-1 and one after taking a brutal loss to Michigan. They dropped six spots. Number 17, Kansas State had a bye week this week, stayed where they're at. Illinois moved up. One it moved up six spots, going six and one after beating Minnesota. Uh, mm. Upset win right there, I would say. Oh, uh, for number sure. Number nineteen, Kentucky, five and two, going up three spots after beating Mississippi State. Uh, number twenty, Texas. Horns down. Horns down. Uh, they're five and two after their close, close, dangerous win against Iowa State. Uh, number twenty-one, Cincinnati. Um, team that we're not really hearing a whole lot about this year after their uh, playoff run last year. 5-1 and one overall. They beat South Florida 28-24. to uh, UNC stays where they were at last week, 6-1 and one overall after beating Duke 38-35. Now for the drop-offs. NC State, number 23, 5-2 overall, drops 8 spots mm. after losing to Syracuse 24 to 9. Number 24, Mississippi State again drops 8 spots. 5 and 2 overall. They lost to Kentucky 27 to 17. <sighs> Number 25, <laughs> little brother. Little brother. They're they're all grown up now. Um Tulane proud of them. 6 and 1 overall. They beat South Florida 45-31. Again, AAC team. Cincinnati was on a bye week, so that that South Florida they South Florida did not play two teams in a week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. Okay. All right, I'm there now. Some others receiving votes. Purdue 95. UCF receives 13. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Purdue receives 95. LSU receives 87 votes. Tulane is still ranked, and we are not. And so is Mississippi State. UCF has 13 votes. South Carolina receives 13. Kansas receives 12. Oregon State receives 6. RIP to James Madison, never losing an FBS game. Lost to Georgia Southern. Really thought they could pull it out. JMU gets 6 votes. Maryland receives 5. South Alabama receives four. Liberty receives two after a very close win against Gardner-Webb. Minnesota receives one. Florida State receives one. And Arkansas receives one vote as well. It's pronounced Arkansas. Yeah, no. uh, My takeaway from the AP Top 25, uh, LSU should be ranked number 24. Anyway. um, I should not be ranked. (laughs) That's my take, but it's gold. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially after beating, you know, 
Florida, 45-35. to Remember what I said last week about um, Jaden Daniels and, you know, finding the end zone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He found the end zone. Yeah. He found the end zone six times. Three touchdowns through the air, three touchdowns on the ground. You know who also found the end zone? Hmm. Anthony Richardson on that very first play from scrimmage. <laughs> or second, uh, play. Second, second play. Se- I'm sorry. Second play I'm sorry. from scrimmage. I'm Thank I'm you very sorry. much. After that, I cut it off because I was like, I'm not watching this. <laughs> um, no, I mean, LSU scared the ever-living crap out of me. Um, LSU's first drive also went for a touchdown, but L- uh, Florida's second play – went for a touchdown and a kick return of 50 yards. Great win. The score does not do it justice because Florida posted 14 in the fourth quarter when LSU's second string was out. Pretty much. Um, Josh Williams for LSU, 14 carries, 106 yards, didn't find the end zone. Jaden Daniels, 20 feet. 23 for 32, 349, um, averaging a first down per pass, three touchdowns. Jaden Daniels, 14 carries, 44 yards, three touchdowns. Anthony Richardson from Florida, 15 for 25, 185, one touchdown. His lone touchdown through the air came in the first quarter on the second play. A beautiful pass. Oh though. yeah, fifty-one yard bomb. Fifty-one right in the basket. Yeah. There was no, there was no way he could have defended. The defender could have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was all over him, and he still. I mean, it was just a great pass. Yeah. Just a great pass. Um, LSU off guard. Yeah. Um, Anthony Richardson was also Florida's leading rusher. Nine carries for one hundred and nine yards, uh, one touchdown. Long of eighty-one yards from a quarterback. Jesus. Um. Hey, Owen. Are you looking at LSU's receiving stats by chance? Uh, yeah, I am actually. There's a name on there that hasn't really shown up since last season. Would that be Kayshawn Boot? Boot. He's back, baby. Six receptions, 115 yards, 19.2. Didn't find the end zone, but thank God Kayshawn Boot has... Um, essentially rejoined the team after a very scary transfer portal situation. We thought we were going to lose him. Um, Come to West Virginia. Come <laughs> to West Virginia. Uh, the only fumble uh, that LSU had, and we lost uh, Jack Beck, uh, our kicker. Um, kind of a bad attempt on a punt. Uh, couldn't really get on it. Slipped right out of his hands. Look, offensively, we're getting the ball down the field. Defensively, we're serviceable enough. We can win games because our offense can outscore you. We can win games if we get to the quarterback. Our secondary is there, but it's not showing up on the interception side. What's killing us right now Kick returns, punt returns, and special teams miscues across the board. Special teams is one uh, one facet of the game that you've – it's very underrated. 
and it's very overlooked as well. And it's just one of those things that it's like, ah, special teams, we expect – every team expects to be well – be be good on special teams. Nobody really expects to excel at it. Nobody really expects to stink at it. It's just kickoffs, punt returns, and PATs are usually something that's like, eh. They're, they're, autom- they're routine. They're automatic. No they're issue. taken for granted. They are taken for granted, very much for granted. So an anecdote that I actually have about this, and it's not college football related, it's pro football related, and it's going to be quick. The 2010 San Diego Chargers, I actually looked this up because I was like, who has a bad, like what NFL team historically had a bad special teams unit? The 2010 San Diego Chargers boasted the number one offense in the NFL. The number one offense? Yes. How? Phillip Rivers. Um, oh, God. Oh, God. Antonio Gates. Mm-hmm. And the last year of Ladanian Tomlinson for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Triple-headed monster. Mm. Guess what else they had? What else? The number one defense in the NFL. Mm. Guess how far they made it to the, into the playoffs. Not very far at all. They did not make the playoffs. Because of special teams, mm. they went um, six and ten overall with the number one offense and the number one defense. Ooh, yeah. Um, not saying that's going to happen to LSU, but that is a possibility. That is a very possibility. If that is a very good possibility, if Brian Kelly does not address special teams, yep. and that's what he said in his post game presser. Yeah. So he knows the issue. We're working to correct it. That's all I can ask. Um, looking forward. <laughs> right now, though, LSU is ranked third, tied with Alabama in the SEC West. Yes. or ra- Yeah, I guess tied second in the SEC yeah. West, but it's showing yeah. third. But at the same time, we're not going to get to the SEC championship game. No, with, you're not. Not with Alabama in our, in our conference. No. There's no way. Or Ole Miss. Or Ole Miss. Speaking of Ole Miss, guess who we play next week? Oh, have fun. <laughs> yeah. Does Ole guess Miss who come? we play the week after. Do they come to Death Valley? Um, or do you go to Oxford? No, they come to Death Valley. Ah, nice. And also, we do have a bye week. Um, we don't play on 1029. Ah, okay. So we have a bye week the week before Bama. There you go. Hey. Yeah. Hey, we'll, little we'll extra. Be, we'll be well rested for the <laughs> butt whooping. Um, no, I mean, the rest of our schedule – not a whole lot of easy games. I mean, um, here's the Ole thing. Miss, Alabama. That's mm, ah scary. Arkansas, UAB, Texas A&M. Not so much, but also not pushover games. Yeah, the only one would be UAB. Look at it this way: you lost to Tennessee. Alabama lost to Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> you you might as well just be on the same. Yeah, uh, we're on the same level as Alabama right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if our logic has gone there before, yes, so why not? Yes, you know? yes. Panther pod logic. If Long Alabama, time. look, if <laughs> if Alabama wins the national championship, okay, hear me out here. They're I'm not gonna, winning it break, with two losses. I'm gonna I'm gonna break out the I'm gonna break out the whiteboard. Follow me. If Alabama wins the national championship, Tennessee. Now wait, that doesn't work. I was gonna say. Tennessee beat them, so therefore Tennessee would be the national champions. And I was about to say, well, LSU beat Tennessee. And then I remembered there was a hole in my logic because Tennessee beat LSU. Anyway. Stomped <laughs> LSU. Curb stomped LSU, yeah. by the way. Um, yeah, we got to get better on special teams. Our offensive line still has a lot of room for improvement. 
Um, but Jaden Daniels is putting the team on his back right now, and I salute him for it. Thank God Kayshawn Boot is back. We finally get a top-tier uh, wide receiver one, Yep, which is always very important. I don't really have a soapbox this week. I'm very optimistic going into Ole Miss, which we'll talk about on Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it was a good win, 45-35. I did not think we would pull it out that much. And going into the fourth quarter, I thought we were going to absolute. I thought we were going for 60. Yeah. So that just goes to show you how quick the whims of college football can change. All right, I'm done. You know what I love about special teams? <laughs> what, Ellen? Blocked PATs. <laughs> you know what I also love about blocked PATs? What? The extra two points when you get to run all the way back, which <laughs> – West Virginia did to Baylor. Mm. Yes. West Virginia beats Baylor on Thursday night, 43-40. to 40. Baylor remains perfect in Morgantown. 0-6. The magic of the mountains, man. Something about that misty mountain magic air. Yes, the misty magic, misty mountain magic. Yeah. M's. Alliteration. M, M, M. Triple M. Hey, talking about triple M's, let's talk about triple J. Justin Johnson Jr. Let me just tell you. This you boy, did like that. I did like that. I'm, I'm glad you did. No, I, I really enjoyed Triple J. That was, I, that was, that was clever, and I, I enjoyed it very much so. Uh, <clears throat> let's just uh, let's take a look here. First of all, Tony Mathis. Jesus. First of all, Tony Mathis, 22 carries, 163 yards, two touchdowns, ran all over the Baylor defense. Triple J, Justin Johnson Jr. had a touchdown, 12 carries, 48 yards. Uh, JT Daniels even ran it for a little bit. One carry, three yards. Woohoo! Better than Daggy. Better than Daggy. Amen. Um, JT Daniels was 24 for 37, 283, uh, 283 through the air. One touchdown, had an interception. Um, talking about that interception, really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, Blake Shapin went down in the third mm. quarter, I want to say, with a concussion. Again, we'll talk about that targeting, targeting call here in a little bit. But uh, – the backup quarterback for Baylor comes in, uh, Drones comes in, and West Virginia had him pressure, was going to sack him. Redshirt freshman's going to make redshirt freshman mistakes. He throws the ball. West Virginia picks it off. Great. We have like three minutes to go in the game, and Baylor is out of timeouts. And as you've seen, we ran the ball really, really, really well. Uh, We ran the ball for – 217 yards. So, ran it, again, really well throughout the night. Instead, play calling, whoever made the play call, Neil Brown, um, (laughs) makes the play call inside the 20, inside the 15, I would say, to pass. Instead of run the ball, run the clock out. Baylor has no timeouts, you just run the clock out. Instead, you pass, and JT makes a terrible, terrible decision. To throw the ball, picked off. However, defense stood strong and only allowed Baylor to kick a field goal. 
no touchdown whatsoever. I was utterly impressed with West Virginia's performance. I was impressed with offensive performance. Baylor, at the time, I think had a top 25 defense in the nation, and West Virginia scored 43 on them. I was just incredibly, incredibly impressed. Uh, Wide receivers could catch the ball this week. Caden Prather, Bryce Ford-Wheaton, Reese Smith, Sam James, all caught the ball, all caught the ball. It was was amazing. Um, They – Offensively, they played great. Defensively, that is a different story. Secondary, man, is rough. This is what happens when you try to plug and play a bunch of FCS transfers along with freshmen and just young talent overall is they're going to get eat up through the air. They just got plain out beat. When they – when, you know, West Virginia traditionally, and we play this right now as a 3-3-5 defense – Front six is great. Front front six is stout, especially the defensive line with Jordan Jordan Jefferson, Dante Stills, who, by the way, has now tied the record for the most tackles tackle for loss uh, in West Virginia University history. And ta- uh, Taj Austin, Jordan Jefferson, Dante Stills, those three up front, those three can pressure the quarterback any day. And you can definitely see that in West Virginia's stat line. Looking, at, I know that's not where you're going with it, but. 45 solo tackles, 69 total tackles, two sacks, five tackles for loss. Great. Great up front. Yes. In the trenches. Yep. However, it's in the backfield, in the secondary. I mean, Blake Blake Shapin and even uh, Drones was really just lighting it up through the air. Um, Guys were getting left wide open, soft coverage. And there were some guys who who were right there hip on hip. With the receivers and just just got out talented, wow. and that's that's what happens with FCS transfers and young talent. The ex, this experiment has not gone well. It's not worked for Neil Brown and Jordan Leslie and trying to plug and play FCS transfers. Uh, thankfully, I think we get Charles Woods back next week and we get CJ Donaldson. So a weapon for defense and a weapon for offense. Glad to have them back next week for Texas Tech. But sticking with Baylor, um, Cole, I don't know if you saw this. But the targeting call against Blake Shapin. Blake Shapin is running. He slides feet first, slides late, very late, by the way. So the defender already is attacking Shapin at his legs. He goes down and he hits Shapin, flags thrown, targeting, he's ejected. Not Shapin, the defender. Right, uh, Wilson Lamp. Right? Wilson Lamp. However, and Cole, correct me if I'm wrong about this. Me and my dad both thought at the time, targeting is a, is launching and attacking with the crown of your helmet, making uh, contact with the crown of your helmet in the head or neck area. Yes. Shoulders up. Shoulders up. This man did not launch. His feet never left the ground. And he did not hit him with his helmet whatsoever. It was shoulder pad, straight shoulder. I mean, almost off the shoulder pad as well. It was straight shoulder pad. To me, and again, I'm a little biased, to me, that's not targeting. Because there's no uh, helmet-to-helmet contact. He does not attack with the crown of his helmet. And he, he does hit Shapin in the head or neck area. He hit him right up under the chin. Cause shape and go out for the rest of the game. 
personally, I, d- I don't think that was targeting. I may be reading that, r- remembering the rule wrong, so please correct me if I am. No, you're, I'm watching the highlight of it now. Yeah. Um, I can see. It's a hard hit. It yeah, is. it is a hard hit, and I can see why they would say that that was targeting, specifically because of the angle that I just watched it at. Yeah. Because it looks like Wilson Lamp straight up headbutted his head on the tackle. Yeah. Um, and they were saying it's textbook targeting. This is the rule. But as a coach, number one, as a coach, okay, if it is textbook targeting, okay, here's how do you coach that? And at that point, here's the thing. Injuries are going to happen. Football is a contact sport. Uh, mm, what? You think that, it's targeting? I would call that targeting, yes. Because – I and I see where you're saying that he slid late um, – it is on shaping as far as getting to the ground and trying to surrender. However, <laughs> that shoulder pad definitely hit his helmet. No, it for sure did, but that's what I'm saying is I always thought it had to be helmet-to-helmet contact. No. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I personally thought it was helmet-to-helmet contact. Yeah. No. Um, that makes it easy as far as pointing out targeting. But no, any kind of uh, quote-unquote dirty-looking hit Mm -hmm. is considered targeting. And see, this is the problem I do have with modern-day football, is I understand you want to keep the players safe as best as possible, but they wear pads and helmets for a reason. Yeah. This is not flag football. This ain't two-hand touch. Hard hits are going to happen. And I understand you're trying to eliminate dangerous plays like that. However, I personally think... Quarterbacks sometimes need to stand up, and take the hit. You don't see you don't see a wide receiver slide down to try and avoid a hit, and you don't see a running back try and avoid a hit. Either get out of bounds or take the hit, because in that instance, if Shapin takes the hit, standing up, if he lowers his shoulder and takes the hit, he doesn't. He more than likely does not go out for the game, and he stays in the game and possibly helps Baylor win that game. I agree with you. Sometimes it is safer to do that, but at the same time, you got to look at. You got to look at the importance of a quarterback in a game, a starting caliber quarterback. I know I versus know. a starting caliber running back or wide receiver. Now, granted, if your name's Calvin Johnson, Jerry Rice, um, Jalen Hyatt for Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt for Tennessee, Emmett Smith, uh, as far as running back go, yeah. Alvin Kamara, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, absolutely. If you're a star, then yeah, I agree. You need to protect your body. Otherwise, you need to fight for every single yard that you possibly can. Now, with a quarterback, it's a different story. You have to have some level of self-preservation because you have to be able to conduct your offense to the best way that you possibly can. But these, I mean, these. Here's my issue, though: is like these hits are not going to be taken out of the game ever. No, because quarterbacks are slide. But as a coach, he's going for a clean. But as a player, you're going for a clean hit. Wilson mm-hmm. Lamp is going for a clean hit on his like below the waist. Yes, and instead of hitting him below the waist, he hits him above the head because uh, Shapen slid because, late. Because Shapen slides late. Yes, to me that's on the quarterback. Shapen did that to himself because he knows he's going to get hit, and you're already it, like the, the the player's already preparing to make the tackle. Wilson Lamp is already prepared to make the tackle and is going for the tackle. How how can he stop mid motion? That's humanly impossible yeah. to stop. So the targeting call needs to be it needs to be looked at. And it, well, it is looked and it at. It won't because of player safety. It needs to be 
it needs to be a uh, kind of, a, I guess, a strike system. Is you do it the first time. If it is, if it is uh, confirmed targeting and it's 15, 15 yard penalty, nobody gets ejected. If it happens for a second time, then you get ejected, either for the game or for the half or whatever. Um, for the game, for the for the point. game, at, at because that point. if if you're if you are maliciously like tackling people, like if if it's that confirmed case, mm-hmm. so with that system, okay, um, and I'm not saying that people would do this, mm-hmm. but let me put you a scenario: national championship game, you're a senior, you get the start, Bryce Young's on the other side of the ball, because you already know Alabama's going to be in the national <laughs> championship, whatever. Um, Bryce Young's on the other side of the ball. You have the opportunity to sack him and potentially get him out of the game for a 15-yard penalty. It could happen. Yes. But it's still a 15-yard penalty. It's still That's still a big penalty. It is penalty. still very detrimental. It's not nearly as detrimental as the opposing team's quarterback getting out of the game. Exactly. But and I'm, what- I'm not... I'm not advocating for players to play dirty god no what i'm saying is with that that's not enough of a deterrent and that's why the targeting call is an automatic ejection i know i just sometimes but you have a lot more plays like the slide than intentional hits absolutely continuing on yeah sorry yeah targeting west virginia played great i'm very impressed something i was very disappointed about and i was nervous about too and it was sad to see, but I did expect it, is crowd attendance. Only 75% of crowd of our crowd was there. It was sad. I've never seen Milan Puskar Stadium that empty before. It was extremely sad. The crowd was very apathetic at the beginning of the game. Uh, for That stadium holds 60,000, which, compared to your standards... Not a lot. Like, if 60,000 showed up at Tiger Stadium, you'd be like, wow, we suck this year, you know? <laughs> That's half of the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for us, 60,000 is a lot. That's a sellout crowd, you know? 45,000 showed up for this game against Baylor. Part of that, I think, was maybe on a weeknight. Eh. West Virginia's had three Thursday night games so far. We're batting, we're batting pretty well right now. We're two for one. But... You have a Thursday night game against Pitt, not a home game, but still, sellout crowd. Have a Thursday night game against Virginia Tech, not a home game, sellout crowd at Lane Stadium. A lot of West Virginia fans in attendance. A lot of West Virginia fans in attendance for both of those games. Morgantown finally gets a Thursday night game at home, and they don't sell out. Yeah. But this is part of the reason, because you didn't play well against Texas, you lost to Pitt, and you lost to Kansas. Yeah. And, you you know, I think – I think the administration. I would. I would hope they take notice because that's fifteen thousand seats you didn't fill, and that's however many thousands of dollars you didn't sell tickets for. Uh, Neil Brown kind of took a shot at the fans uh, during his press game. He absolutely has no right to take. He a has shot. no I'm right sorry. to. But he was like, appreciate the fans who showed up for the game. They saw one hell of a game. Uh, for the fans that didn't, they must be surely they they must be disappointed for not seeing what they saw. And I'm like. You're not in a position yeah, at three you, and you three can't say that. being 20 and 21 or 22 overall at West Virginia and saying that to your fans. That's not it's not a great look. But regardless, it was a good game. Still some of the senseless penalties, false starts, different things like that. Still some play calling issues. But overall, played good. 
Um, one thing I did notice too. What'd you say uh, attendance was? Forty-five versus sixty for the sellout. Yeah, our sellout is sixty thousand. That's our max max capacity. Forty-five thousand was um, was the attendance for Thursday night's game against so ballpark fifteen thousand. Ballpark is fifteen thousand. I I can't remember how much tickets sold for. One forty four. One forty four was the average price. Wow, wow, that was okay. Two point one million dollars. That's two point one million dollars that the school missed out on. Fifteen thousand times one forty four. Wow. And that's just using average ticket that's price. That's just average ticket price. Yep. Two point Four million? Two point one uh two million one hundred thousand uh one hundred and sixty thousand. Wow. That's yep. that's a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> that you lose it. Now yeah. granted that's not that's not like nosebleeds, that's not uh like upper deck or upper upper deck, because I know you can get tickets for like sixty bucks, yeah, yeah, sixty, yeah, yeah. eighty bucks. But still, using that, yeah, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That I did, I thought it was thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I didn't think no. it was millions that they wow. Yep. Yikes. Um, but I... Look at it this way. That's, you know, change that could have been used to pay Neil Brown's contract. But, I mean, still $20 million. Here's the thing. I, if we go... We can win out rest of the season, go 9-3, and three, make it to the Big 12 championship game. Maybe. Baylor did it last year with two conference losses last year. Um, so, there's... I mean, there's possibility. There's still hope. There's hope. We play Texas Tech uh, next week. In Lubbock, take. Um, I'm I'm feeling better about it, but um, are you? I am. I'm feeling better. Yes. Uh, I hope we can go on a run. I hope we can go on a run. Just a stretch of just stringing games together. Uh, the ball bounced West Virginia's way this way. And uh, I hope more fans show up. I was I was really disappointed with that, but I also hope the administration took notice and said, "Hey, you can't. T- yes, we're going to have fans that are diehards and are always going to be there, but you can't. You th- you can't take even shots die- at your fans. Yeah. No, even die even diehards are gonna are gonna get tired at some point. Yeah, and I would consider myself a diehard. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I I'm going to be at that Oklahoma game, but I mean, if if we're not doing well, it's it's kind of a bummer to be there almost. It's like yeah. if you're struggling to get bowl eligible, that's not the standard at West Virginia. It's not struggling to get bowl eligible. It is, hey, you know, you're going to get bowl eligible and contend for a conference championship. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm really – I was really disappointed in the crowd, but I also understand as well, and I hope that was a wake-up call for administration to be like, hey, Neil, win games. Yeah. And I think it already is. A, you know, Shane Lyons has already put out that wretched – vote of confidence that he's like, hey, we have great faith in our team, which usually comes before you fire a coach because we saw it with Colorado. We saw it with Nebraska, you know. But we'll see. I don't I don't want us to lose and have to fire Neil. I want us to win and be like, no, we, we should keep Neil Brown because I don't want the program to suffer. I don't want us to regress. So – but at the same time, you look at around all these coaches like Josh Heupel, Lance Leopold, Dave Aranda. Second-year coaches. Second-year yeah. coach. Well, Dave Aranda's in his third. Either way. Either way. Within their first three years, first two years, uh, Josh Heupel is now playoff contender. Baylor was playoff contender and Big 12 champ. Kansas is now doing things we never thought Career Kansas Career renaissance. Career, yeah. Program renaissance. Program yeah. renaissance. 
So, I mean, yeah. There's there's standards out there that Neil Brown is not meeting. Yes. I understand that sometimes winning a national championship is not realistic. I understand. We're not Alabama. I don't expect us to be Alabama. Unless your name's Brian Kelly. Yes, yes, let's, I hear Let's you. put an asterisk on that real quick. <laughs> I hear you. I understand that there's not – I understand – we can't be Alabama every year. Nobody can be Alabama unless it's Alabama. Or LSU if you have Nick Saban. Thank you. You're mm. welcome. <laughs> um, or maybe even Georgia now. Yeah. Or Ohio State. But that's about it. Yeah. Those are or, – or Clemson even. Clemson for a while there, and Clemson even kind of still now-ish. You could even throw Michigan in there right even now. You throw Michigan in there right now. Yeah. I understand that. There are top-tier programs that are going to be competing for the national cha- – the expectation and the precedent is there to be competing for a national championship year after year. But, but is it- that doesn't mean that you can't sneak into the playoffs at most. Yeah. Win a conference championship should be your expectation, not bowl eligibility. No, and for West Virginia, you know, we went, we won the Big East four years. Like, I, like winning to me, winning conference championship is not. It is law. It, it's it's high expectations, but it's not lofty for West Virginia for a program for the fifteenth winningest program in all college football. That does it, not seem lofty to me. If you are competing and you are keeping track of a win-loss record, your goal should be to finish with the best win-loss record possible. Exactly. But speaking on that, I'm very proud of my Mountaineers. Very happy right now. Very optimistic. Woo! Optimism is key. Uh, 43-40, West Virginia wins. They're now 3-3. Three and three. three more wins. And we uh, coming up our next three games at Texas Tech, we get TCU at home, and then we go to Iowa State. Uh, LSU's next three, um, Ole Miss in Death Valley, Alabama in Death Valley, and then we go to Arkansas. There's a difference in schedule right now <laughs> between you and I. Yes. <laughs> but we are, ironically, in the same position. Yes. Uh, LSU, I mean, we need one more win Yeah. to get to bowl eligibility. If we can win out, <laughs> you need three. Um, <laughs> if we can win out, but look. Look at it this way. We have just as much chance of finishing five and seven as we do six and five right now. Yep. Um, it, it all depends. But for that, we're going to live in the here and now. It was a great week for us here on the Panther We're pod. not going to focus on the future. <laughs> we're not going to focus on the future. That is a future Panther problem. That's a Wednesday problem. That's a Wednesday problem. Absolutely. For now, I'm Owens Pelnick. My name's Cole Connor. And this has been the Panther Pod.